What's up, everybody? My name is Brazil, and welcome to my podcast. I'm really happy to bring this conversation with you today because I interviewed film composer Roman Dunn. Now, he's worked on all kinds of major projects. He recently composed music for a film produced by Martin Scorsese. He's worked on RuPaul's Drag Race. He's one of the co-owners of Autotune. He owns a studio in New York. He's, I mean, this guy works on so many projects. So I'm glad that I got to do this because as a filmmaker, so much of what I do involves me using music. Like I'd say if you were to make a chart of how much time we spent editing, like half of it is looking for music, you know? So, so much of that drives what we do. So in this conversation, I got to ask him questions about how he composes music, how he creates the theme for a movie, for a TV show, you know? And not only that, but how he keeps his mental health in the process, how he got to where he got to, how he built his career. I mean, that's the stuff I want to know, you know? I'm, I do what I do, but I always learn something from other people's journeys, you know, their, their mistakes, their successes, everything. I think it's a, it's a very important thing for us to do, to study how people got to where they got to, especially if they're doing what they love and they're good at it. <laughs> like, that's, uh, that's something you want to look into. And I, we did that in this podcast. It was a great conversation, great vibe. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And with no further ado, here is my conversation with Roman Dunn. Here we go. Hello, Roman. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Oh, you too. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. It's the weekend. Yeah. Uh, how is life right now, man? How it's, are you doing? It's good. It's good. I'm, I really can't complain. You know, uh, it seems like life is starting to return a little bit to the way things were two years ago. Uh, we're slowly getting there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think we, we all really need it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just think about the fact that we're here together right now. Yeah. Like, the, I haven't done something like this um, that often in the last two years you know yeah it's yeah. special yeah you know we, yeah. we forgot how, how good it feels just to be with people in person in the same room yeah it's usually zoom yeah has that affected you work-wise like um like because i know a lot of times where you're doing audio people have to be in the room with you how does that work like from a recording perspective yeah so uh it definitely affect like i own a recording studio yeah. and i am there well first of all it's in new york so <laughs> I, i'm not really there that often but uh, you know, one of the reasons that um, I did move away was because I wasn't going in to record people. You know, everything was being done remotely. I would go into the studio to record like um, strings or drums and, you know, things you need to do in a live setting. But everything else is done remotely on the computer in the box, so to speak. So it affected yeah, yeah. me because uh, it's just a different way of working. And so for, when people were doing vocals, were you like they were sending you vocals from their like bedroom or something like people were just recording themselves and you guys were just doing it that way for a little bit we had to right wow. uh i mean when the pandemic hit in new york it was so bad there was no like small sessions things started to open up and we did sessions yeah and the singer would come in and they would be in a separate room i, I mean actually a recording studio to be honest really good place to have uh <laughs> quarantining going on like there are separate um air systems you know, uh, HVAC for each room. Oh, right, because it has to be super quiet, like yeah. in the isolation booth. Yeah, yeah, so everything's isolated. Um, there's double pane glass going on between each room. So it actually was okay when it happened, and we followed uh. all these COVID protocols. Um, but after a while, it got kind of difficult to do that. Like, actually, right in the height of the pandemic, I worked on this film. Uh, it was a Paul Schrader 
film called The Card Counter. Okay. And uh, Paul Schrader's like an older director, um, and so we had to get tested every single day. Where the N95s, uh, you know, there was like yeah. um, full protocol. Full protocol. Yeah, there was. Uh, what am I looking for? COVID, um, and not enforcement, but uh, it's like somebody that representing the. Yeah, just making sure COVID yeah, was yeah. being observed, or, or yeah. 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 Um, so anyway, it was. It really affected my life in the sense that making music is a communal activity, even when it's, um, you know film scoring or making a track, there still is a component at some point in the process that becomes communal. And right. that was hard to do during COVID, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I mean, it must have affected your life. I mean, <laughs> you're you're doing production. Yeah. You know, um, during COVID, we actually started a whole new business mm. because, um, yeah, normally I do music videos and commercials and that's like, you know, a lot of people in on set. So then when COVID happened, we started doing uh, online content and selling it where we created our own content. We partnered with a lot of dance influencers. Mm, cool. We've created like big social media channels before, but what we started doing is selling online classes with oh, choreographers nice. where we just got our own studio. So it would be just uh, and, like me, one assistant and a choreographer and we're, like far away from each other. We would record content online and sell it and start like a, a subscription service. So it's like a whole new business model to where now that used to be like the side project and now that's making more money than like our production stuff. So that's now awesome. it's like, whoa, we got into just the uh, creating for the consumer. Nice. Right. Nice. So now when I do, you know, uh, like service jobs, I, I can be more picky with them, which is a, that's awesome. A lovely place to finally get to. Yeah. So, I mean, would you say COVID was good for business in that sense? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think, um, I've always liked, Maybe this is the wrong thing to say. I, I enjoy chaos. Gotcha. Like, so like when, sure. when I, I, my life has been very chaotic. So when, when the world is chaotic, I'm like, oh, I know what to do with this. Okay, great. Everything is changing. Fantastic. It's, you know, I, I, I've had that happen in my childhood so much that I know how to adapt. Mm. Everything's changing. Great. Well, let's start something completely brand new. You know what I mean? Fuck it. You yeah. know? And it's like, we got the equipment. I know people. Let's create a product. And then, um, and it just put me in a position now to where I've made money for a lot of my friends, you know? And now I can focus on landing the bigger production jobs that I want to do, nice. you know, instead of having to take on every small music video to pay the rent, you know, now it's like, okay, cool. I can do one commercial every couple months, but have it be like, you know I mean? One that I work to land yeah, yeah. harder. You no, know? that's great. I mean, I love hearing when people thrived through this adversity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now, what do you do more film scoring or music production? Well, there, um, film scoring, um, but I used to do more music production solely. Okay. Um, but there's kind of a blurry line, uh, you know. So when I'm producing music for a film, it's not wildly different than when I'm producing music for an artist. Okay. It's just, um, well, the biggest difference is there's picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? But um, when I'm doing a film, I'm uh, trying to find the music that the director wants. Right. When I'm producing for an artist, I'm trying to find the music that the artist wants. So in either way, it's uh, this collaborative um, uh, dance, you know, yes. but it just depends who I'm dancing with. Oh, I uh, love that. I like that analogy. Yeah, thanks. So um, I have a question. When, when you're scoring for a movie, <clears throat> obviously the entire movie has to have a tone. Is the, do you make like a, like a hero track first that the director has to approve that then the rest of the movie has to behave kind of like that one? Like what's the process of creating a, a consistent sound? 
Uh, well, so um, sometimes we'll do what you're talking about, where uh, I'll come up with the main thematic material first, and then once that's approved, the rest of the film is kind of generated from that. Okay. Uh, but it's not always the case. Sometimes it's really this linear narrative, and I'm helping the story move along on screen, and you'll be going through a variety of tones, and maybe there will be this underlying, organic, unifying element to it. Right. Um, but not always. It really does depend on the film. Um, but like this last film I just did uh, that just hit theaters called Snakehead. And okay. in that film, there were three main themes. And once we came up with those themes, the whole rest of the film is pretty much derivative of that content. What were the themes? Uh, Chinatown. It's, it's a crime drama that takes place in New York City's Chinatown. Okay. And so we actually gave a theme to the place, okay. uh, which was really fun. Um, I love that because not every film you get to treat place as character. Yeah. Um, so Chinatown and then the main protagonist and the main antagonist, those were the main themes. And then every time the main protagonist was in a situation, there was some variation on her theme depending on what was going on. Got um, it. So you guys had like three like hero themes almost. Like yeah. Location theme, protagonist, antagonist. Yeah, for the most part. Um, yeah. Occasionally you'd have to break out of that if sure. there was a scene that wasn't related enough um, or if they're traveling and you're trying to touch on a different place, that kind of thing. Uh, but are, it, are there is there like a group of instruments that you try to stick to for like a certain movie? Like, like yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the cohesiveness, I guess. Yeah. I guess it, like where does the decision making come in? Like do you say like we're not going to use any of these sounds for this movie because it just doesn't match the movie at all? Like are those things thought out? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's almost more thought out than the actual thematic elements on some films where I'll come up with a palette. Okay. Right, it would be the way that I would describe that. So for this film, once I had composed those sketches or themes, if you will, or actually what happened was I scored one of those scenes. Yeah. Right, um, the director would react to it and say, you know, I love those instruments. I don't really love those. And then I would be informed as to what they were feeling, what they would like. And then the rest of the film, that was my palette. So got it. Yeah, to your point, I would stick with those same instruments, those same tones. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. When we hear certain sounds, like like just musically, you know how some sounds sound sad, yeah, and some sounds sound happy. Do you think there universally are those feelings, or we've been conditioned to associate them to those feelings? Um, that's a wonderful question. First of all, uh, and I'd say both. I'd say that there probably are some inherent um, uh, predispositions uh, to ingest the sound in a certain way. Uh, but we've definitely been conditioned to uh, to think sad things are sad. Uh, and I would even say one step further that sad music isn't sad music. It's just sad is the closest word that we have to help represent the feeling we're getting. Because being sad uh, from music is maybe a close approximation, but it is a little more nuanced than just the sadness, yeah. if you know what I mean. Can you describe it like like if you're going to make a sad song, is mm -hmm. there a formula for it? For That's a, a great question. Song? Yeah. Well, so uh, it gets even more complicated when you think multimedia because sometimes the juxtaposition of the image and the way it's married to it, you know? Right. So maybe like something very happy while somebody is like dying, for example, will bring you to this melancholy place when the two constituent parts aren't necessarily. Right. But if you're thinking of the music in isolation, 
is there something for me personally it's a certain type of chord quality that will make something sad so minor chords specifically like minor seven chords get me really sad that kind of thing um so yeah there's a formula in the sense that there's a harmonic language i would uh lean on in order to write a sad song wow i've always thought about that that's so interesting you know my parents they did classical ballet oh yeah they were dancers and choreographers like their whole life so i grew up around that kind of music and it's just so interesting how you can tell an entire story without words. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, you know, obviously grew up listening to like Tchaikovsky's, you know, The Nutcracker. It just mm -hmm. seemed just the, just the way the entire two-hour thing happens. No words. It's beautiful. It, it's, yeah. it, it's, so, it's so interesting. Um, I think one of my favorite new ones that I heard was um, the Planet Earth 2 soundtrack mm. by yeah. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, just like, yeah. I don't know, that kind of music is just so epic. It's so inspiring. Mm -hmm to me who inspires you oh that's great i actually try to find my inspiration outside of what i'm doing um or else you get stuck in this loop of and i mean you have to be aware of it because when you're working on a job some a director could say yes planet earth too can we do something like that and you have to be aware of the trends that right. uh, directors are looking for uh, but for me i find my inspiration a lot of times outside of film scoring like when you're talking about a ballet right this yeah. this is amazing art that mm -hmm predates uh, our, you know, uh, multimedia uh, as we know it, yeah, yeah. right? Even though that was a piece of great multimedia, you know, you had the visual aspect of the ballet. Um, right. That's far more inspiring to me in some ways. Um, and it just speaks to a much longer history of, um, you know, of music and music making that gets me, um, gets, gets me really inspired, yeah. So what you're saying is that a lot of times the, you get inspiration for the thing you're doing outside of the thing that mm -hmm. you're doing. Yeah. I, I can relate to that a lot. Like I really watch music videos or hang out with like filmmakers. Uh, like yeah. I like studying like how do comedians do this? How do like <laughs> architects do that? It, it's something about just the way they approach the problem. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How, how they treat their career, how they go, why did they go from making this album to that album? Well, that's interesting. You know, it's like I then take that way of thinking and try to apply it to what I do. You know, it almost feels like I muddy my palate if I listen, if I watch too much of the same thing I'm doing. Absolutely. Well, and I think it speaks to what, you know, what you're doing. You're working as somebody who is in a multidisciplinarian um, uh, industry. I mean, filmmaking is yeah. sound, <laughs> visuals, you know, it's the lighting, it's the camera, it's production, you know, understanding how to interact with people, all of those things. So if you just watch somebody do that, uh, you can learn a lot, certainly, but you can learn a lot by just learning about all these different aspects of life. You'd be a much richer artist. Yeah, uh, you'd have more to, more to pull from. Yeah, yeah. So how did you get started with all this? What was like the beginning of you and music and sound? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, as a little kid, I studied music, so I started very, very young. Did your parents put you in class? Uh, my, <laughs> um, say that again? I did your parents put you in class? Put me in class. Um, n kind of, not entirely. I mean, they had a, a p we had a piano growing up, and my brother was really good at piano, uh, and watching him, I wanted to okay. uh, do it. But then, so I took all the private lessons, piano, okay. uh, all, all of that You wanted stuff. to. I wanted to at first. <laughs> but, you know, when you, when you get... Um, you know, around 10 or 11, you start to, or at least I did, uh, rebel a little bit against formal training. Because, yeah. I mean, I was taking classical lessons and I didn't really want to do that. I didn't want to be a classical pianist because I wanted to explore my own creativity. Right. 
and my parents kept me in class, which was really good. They kept me, they were like, no, you should stick with it if you hate it in a few more years, right? Uh, yeah. So I never stopped it and I just kept taking more and more lessons. But I realized that my desire to do my own thing just meant I wanted to be a composer Got as it. opposed to a performer. That's all it meant. I didn't know it at the time necessarily, but then I started exploring uh, composition. And I always wanted to be a composer, uh, but I had no idea it would end up being film. I thought it would be writing for the concert hall, being Tchaikovsky, <laughs> writing a ballet, you know? I thought yeah. that was, because I wasn't aware back then that this was a career that I could do. Um, so I went to college and then graduate school for music, um, and I started uh, doing what's called transcription, which is you listen to music and you write out sheet music for other uh, composers and bands and stuff. Okay. And that turned into doing arranging, which means... Is that to, like a job? Yeah, that was my job. That was my. That's how I put oh, myself through college. Wow. Um, so people would play music just like intuitively and mm -hmm. they would want you to make that show up on paper. Exactly. So they can repeat it or whatever. Yeah, like a, a few common uh, instances would be um, like a band, right? So they're playing a song. They didn't sit down and write out the sheet music for that song. Right. But say they want to play it live with a horn section or something. They need somebody who understands how to write down sheet music to write it down and then give it to uh, different players. How did you get that job? Uh, like a freelancer, you know, just go and advertise yourself. Find, I mean, this was back in 2003, something okay. like that. And so Craigslist was all the rage back then. Was that, was that how, what, what was your first time getting paid to do anything musically? Mm, what was like, I want to know the beginning. When the it very, went from it being like, you the, know, something you're studying to, oh, I got paid for this? Yeah, right. Uh, well, I mean, in high school, I played uh, cocktail piano. So <laughs> I, I grew up in the Poconos, which is like uh, kind of a resort area in Pennsylvania okay. uh, it's like I don't know how to describe it but um, I played piano in casinos and people's weddings and stuff like that um, oh, so you were hustling since <laughs> you were a kid yeah yeah my parents pushed me to do that they, they wanted me you know to make some money you get a summer job right and I wanted to play the piano I had other jobs but that was my first musical one and then in college I was able to uh, make money doing this transcription gig yeah um, which was cool because that just took me into the recording studio with some of these people I was writing stuff for, and eventually yeah. I opened my own studio. Um, How'd you do that? Just put it all out there, man. You know, just living um, paycheck to paycheck. Just I put all my money in with a business partner. We opened a recording studio in Manhattan, and that's how I got actually to where I am doing what I'm doing is because once you have a recording studio and people are coming in, there's all different types of jobs coming in, um, and you kind of navigate until eventually you get back to what you wanted to do. Right, because you're hosting other people doing their projects, mm -hmm. but then you're also interacting with them, maybe, you know, and then you can build relationships. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So we were just recording, like, artists and bands and stuff, but then advertising agencies would come in, and they would be doing voiceovers for their commercials and stuff, right. and then they would need music. And this is before like libraries of stock music were really a thing. Right. Um, and so we'd write custom music for their commercials, and then those directors would go on to make their own films outside of the ad agency. And I started getting some of those calls. Got um, it. And so it, it was funny because I didn't want to be a recording engineer or a music producer. I wanted to be a composer. Right. Um, but I did all of that stuff just to make, as you said, find a page, getting paid, yeah. get, you know, you're making money doing something related to it, you know? How would you uh, differentiate between a producer and a composer? Mm, that's a, I mean, sometimes it's the same. 
sometimes I'm doing both, right? And then it's hard to disaggregate those two things. Um, but a lot of people would see it as the composer is the person who's writing the underlying composition, you know, so the chords and the melody. And the producer might be the person who's then taking that composition and fleshing it out into a recording. Um, Got it. But sometimes it's a lot blurrier than that. Sometimes uh, the producer might be overseeing all of the people who are doing that. Uh, it's not quite like a, a producer in film where they're pulling together all the parts. Right. But sometimes it is. It just really depends um, the workflow of a specific project. So would you say it's almost like the producer in music is almost like the editor? Like they're like the ones like putting it, building it on Pro Tools? Like sometimes, yeah. Doing that? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, I mean, <clears throat> let me give you an example. When I produce for an artist, okay. I'm still actually composing it because people come to me to write the instrumental. So I'll play all the guitars, I'll play all the synths, I'll program all the drums, I'll mix it, I'll edit it. Then they'll come in and they'll sing the part that they wrote, the top line. Right. Um, and then I'll mix that, edit it, master it. And in those instances, I was their producer. Um, but I also was the songwriter. <clears throat> Got it. Yeah. So okay, that, that's the difference there. Yeah. It's blurry. It's blurry. <laughs> I, I think it's a little more organized in film to some degree, you know, with the roles having uh, more finite differentiations. Yeah. What was uh, your first big uh, film that you scored? Uh, so probably uh, the first one that I would consider like successful and cons calling it a feature film was a uh, film, uh, I think it's coming up on nine years ago now, it was called Bear City 3. It was an LGBTQIA uh, film for bears, if you if you know what a bear is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it was a love story specifically for bears, and it was the third one because the first two were very successful. And the third one, and these were indie films, and by the time they realized they had a third film, they wanted to hire a composer. Uh, and I got, got the it. call to do that one. Um, and I love that film. It was great. I mean, it's very niche, but yeah, I love yeah. working on stories for underrepresented communities because there tends to be a lot of passion in the filmmaking and a lot of meaning, and it's it's a necessary part of art, you know, to tell different stories. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing, man. And uh, and did you do one with Dusty Scorsese on the list? Yeah, so that was the card counter that I was talking about, the okay. Paul Schrader film. So uh, Scorsese <coughs> produced that film. Okay. Uh, so... Schrader wrote like Raging Bull um, and Taxi Driver wow. for uh, Scorsese. But on this film, Schrader was directing it and Scorsese was the producer. Um, wow. I didn't score that film. I actually worked as a producer. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it's good to know those differentiations. In that instance, I was the person behind the recording console, uh, recording the music that the composer was writing uh, and then helping mix it and line it up with the film. Um, so. Yeah, you know, just yeah. a different role on that one. Absolutely. Um, what's the difference between mixing and mastering? Um, so mixing would be uh, you're working on the constituent parts. So I would be putting processing on individual elements of it, right? Like so just the drums. Or just, just the, the drums. Yeah, just the drums, just the guitar, all that, and mixing them all together until they sit nicely all, all together. And then mastering is doing it to that composite. So the, the final uh, composite of all the pieces together in one, two track. Got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that, that's what people say when they say mixing and mastering. So it's like one is tightening things up as they relate to each other. The mm -hmm. other one is bundling all that together, like nesting it all. Yeah. And is it also doing that between the songs, like between track one and track two of an album? It used to be. Uh, it's not so much anymore in the world of singles. Uh, and I mean, 
it, there are still some instances where people are putting together albums and they're still concerned with that kind of thing, um, where you want like a consistent level across all of them. But if you listen to albums today, sometimes one song is so wildly different sonically and level-wise than other ones that it's not always uh, the case. Like, I've worked on projects where uh, I mastered one song, somebody else mastered the other song, somebody else mastered <laughs> the other song. It's, there's not always continuity like, like that because you're not putting a CD into, yeah. uh, the, into your uh, is, is that a player. good thing? Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Oh, it's great. I mean, uh, yeah, for sure. It, it's also great to have one consistent uh, album, but um, it's also great to have variety. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't bother me either way, really. Yeah, it's just yeah. art. Let yeah, it, yeah. Let, let yeah. it flow how it flows. Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so going back to your story. So you were in college. You started doing the... Um, uh, the transcri- You were transcribing the songs into the sheet music, right? Yep, yep. And you graduated. Yeah. Then you started your own studio. Mm-hmm. And then he started doing scoring for films. Yep. And then he also did TV shows too, right? You did RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. How was that project? Uh, so that one, um, so running the recording studio, you know, I wish it was just recording studio right to scoring. But uh, in there, I was also producing songs for the artists that came into the recording studio. Got it. Uh, and I got tied up with a lot of... Um, drag queens that was because i was in hell's kitchen in new york city it's a very big drag community and Mm -hmm. this was before actually yeah i started before rupaul's drag race even started uh doing those and on the first i've worked on every season uh with contestants on that show wow so like doing the music on the show no no doing songs for the artists on the show oh right because they perform they perform but also um so I've done a lot of songs for reality TV stars, and the reason that they tend to do songs is not because that's their first passion, although sometimes it is, but they do it because they need promotional content, right? So like they're on a TV show, let's release a song. I have fans, I want to produce some content for them. So they yeah, come yeah. to somebody like me to make a song for them. Uh, sometimes that song ends up on the show, uh, which is most recently I had a song being performed on the show, uh, and those are really great moments for me because in essence, I am working on that show. That I have to deal with the production company and the yeah. clearances and stuff. Do you like write these songs with them? And yeah, yeah, it's it's what? yeah, it's the yeah. process I was telling you where yeah. I'll write the instrumental and then the artist will write what we call the top line. So they'll write their vocals yeah. and then they'll come in and I'll record it, mix and master that kind of thing. Oh, uh, that's amazing. You go, soup to nuts, you, soup to nuts. You, yeah, they come to me because they need a song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's just the two of us. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, what are your goals now? Uh, you just moved to LA, right? I just moved here. Yeah. It's, How do you like it? I love it. Um, if you know, I'm sure there's going to be some haters watching this who are like, <laughs> "Oh, don't you miss New York?" I certainly do. I mean, I love New York. My studio is still there. I just got back from a trip. Um, so somebody's over there running it. The day yeah, yeah. Stuff. yeah, 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 yeah. I have a business partner uh, who still lives there, and we have engineers who run it for us the day to day. Mostly it. because my partner and I have transitioned to doing more scoring um, and audio post production for films and stuff. Um, but LA has been uh, just like a wonderful change of pace for, uh, I've lived in New York for 17 years and, yeah. um, uh, this is just a, a next, uh, chapter, if you will. Yeah. You did your time. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can say it, man. Yeah. You know, I put in, uh, I put in my time. Yeah. 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 Well, but you've been to LA before, obviously, right? Oh you yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. here to work and all that. Yeah. And I loved coming here for work. Yeah. You know, it was great to see the people that I was working with and, like I was telling you before the show, uh-huh. one of the 
great things about LA is that even when there's a pandemic, you can go outside. Yeah. You know, like New York, it was too cold. You couldn't see anybody. It was it was tough living then. At you the know? beginning, they closed down the beaches. Here? Yeah, it was wild. I saw that they gave a ticket to a dude that was paddle boarding. Oh, wow. They're, All by himself. Yeah. No, no. There was like yeah. a, the, what do you call it, the boat police? Yeah. Oh, wow. They literally like pulled up on people paddle <laughs> The Coast Guard. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like. Oh, that's funny. They were super strict about it for a second, but then we were like, nah. Dude. Yeah. But at least here, right, you have, yeah. like, you could go outside yeah. of your house, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. New York, we live in, uh, you know, shoe boxes, mm -hmm. and nobody has a balcony. I There's was telling her about that, about how small the apartments are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you not been to New York? No. Oh, it's, I mean, it, you're, um... Your, your standards are just so much lower for a lifestyle, yeah. you know? Like, having a dishwasher means you made it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Having a washer and dryer is, like, unheard of, you know? Uh, having more than uh, one bedroom that you, you know? And, like, I'm talking about people who are successful and spending a lot of money on apartments. It's, it's still, like, you're... I don't know. I don't want to talk too negatively no, about no, it because I loved it. it. Yeah, it's, it's, but just what it was, yeah. Yeah, it's the you most know? powerful city in the world, so everybody wants to be there. So yeah. it's like you're paying to be... Right there, and it's built up and not out like here. So you just, um, I would say if the pandemic never happened, I may not have moved. Really? Yeah, because I'd always been toying with the idea and I'd always been doing work in LA, but that crushing, solitary life, like you don't live in New York to stay in your apartment. You right. live in New York to go all the awesome places there are. So Yeah, it's to be out and about. Yeah. Also, the subway is really scary when everybody's sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So that was still going on, right? People were still riding the subway at well, the height of COVID? They closed it for a little bit, and then essential workers. All the way? Not all the way. Um, well, they may have. I, I, you know, I got really sick uh, with COVID. So yeah. I think I don't remember very clearly uh, two or three months uh, right when that happened. So maybe they didn't close it entirely, or maybe they did. I can't speak to it. Um, but then it was they much limited hours, which in New York, that's like, it'd be like if someone told you you couldn't drive your car yeah. after you know 10 p.m. or something, you could just never go anywhere, and you had to be an essential worker. Um, wow. But even when it wasn't closed, I mean, there was a lot of very strong anti-mask sentiment and people getting in fights over things and like, you're on a subway, like you're very, it was just a scary time to yeah. be coexisting in New York, you know? How sick did you get? Very, very, I thought it was uh, it for me, <laughs> you know? Uh, I was a long hauler. Um, I was sick for maybe six or seven months. And then, holy shit. Yeah, and then even after that, I had symptoms come up again. Um, but then once I got the vaccine, actually, my long haul symptoms went away. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't uncommon from uh, what I've heard for other people that had it, but what yeah. were some of the long haul symptoms you had? Just couldn't breathe, like legitimately, you can't breathe, and it's like someone's sitting on your chest, kind of thing. Um, that was another factor in in saying, "Hey, let's move to L.A." Like life's short, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna do something, let's let's do it. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, we were talking about goals yeah as well <laughs> not dying of COVID. yeah <laughs> so so moving on what's next um i think um probably more of what i've been doing lately i've you know um been scoring some films that i really love and i have a few more in the pipeline like that uh and it's feeling good at the moment so uh i'm not gonna mess with that <laughs> <laughs> it makes you happy to do yeah that. yeah how are you um well now that i have these successful apps that are going well, I, I want to make sure that that continues going well mm. because that's building a financial future mm. to allow me to, to be in a position to eventually do features and that kind of stuff, you know? 
Um, I'm happy that I got out of the rat race of having to do a lot of indie music videos because there's really no profit to mm-hmm. make on those. Most indie music videos, you know, you're lucky if you keep 10% of the budget. Like, you know, it's, sure, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's just all just an expense. And I love creating, but I felt like there was just a, a certain ceiling. It's like um, uh, you want to prove that you can do a skyscraper, but you're only creating, like, houses. And at some point, you have to do a skyscraper to prove that you can do it, you know? So sure, yeah. with, when I built this business, now I was able to, to – I know equipment is not everything, but I was able to buy a lot of the equipment that I needed, you know, and have my own studio now and all that. So, like, this year I did my first Disney commercial as a director, and I got like, – like, I'm able to, like – take my time to land the projects nice. without having to just say yes to everything and then overload my plate, you know? So so now my vision is just to be solid on that business, do this podcast, and work on just bigger fish. Nice. You know? And um, and also, like you said, just enjoy life. Yeah. You know? like It's too short, man. You know? And, you know, like, we're successful at what we do, but we never really feel like it because there's always a next level. There's always, and you, you know, no matter how successful you get, you have that one friend who, who has more Grammys, you know, and, yep. and who's made more millions. And he's like, okay, so, so really it's never ending. So instead of achieving to be happy, I'm trying to happily achieve. Yeah, that's you know? awesome. It's, it, it, I guess you have to compare yourself to yourself. Yeah. Not to your other friend who's got more Grammys. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. You know, it, it's like when I look back, I mean, I used to dream of doing this stuff. I do now. I remember just dreaming of uh, of just being a professional. Yeah. Just when yeah, I was a yeah. kid, you know, just filming my friends skating and all that, and the idea of just getting paid to do this, and not having to have a real job, that was like a. That's awesome. You know, yeah. I've been able to do that for so long. I actually went back and revisited like the original skate park where I learned to film and everything. And oh, nice. There was a, a rent-a-center there. Do you do you know that store? Have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, was this out here? Uh, this was in Kentucky, one of the places oh, okay. I used to live back in the day. Yeah, we had rent-a-senders in New York. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's where I rented my first camera. I used to have an over-the-shoulder VHS, like, <laughs> straight-up soccer dad camera, yeah, you yeah. know? And I could only afford to rent it for, like, a couple weeks, and then I would put it away. didn't even have a camera. And and that was nice, just to see how far... How far you've far come. I, we've come. Yeah, know? yeah. And, and it's, it's like... It makes you think, well, imagine 10 years from now. Or yeah, totally. Now. I always like to think, what would me from five or 10 years ago think about me now and that's a much better comparison than me compared to like the people who are getting the jobs that I wish I was getting that kind of thing right yeah yeah, yeah. It's, we got to keep a strong mindset about that because it's so easy to fall into a trap of comparison mm-hmm. right because it feels like we're looking at everybody else's highlight reels but we know our behind the scenes yeah, you know, yeah sometimes yeah. it feels like everybody else has it together <laughs> you know and, uh, and it feels like you're the only one struggling but I think now I'm just learning more of what makes me happy. Nice. The little things mm. that make me happy. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I'm 33 now. In my 20s, I was uh, just trying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's how you find it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, okay, cool. I know I know the kind of foods that just make <laughs> me feel right. You know, like yeah, a yeah. good acai bowl. <laughs> you know, brings so much joy to my life. A, a great neck pillow on a pillow. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, nice memory things. foam, you know, yeah, yeah. the few things that if I have those, I'm good. What makes you happy? Oh, my wife. Yeah? Yeah, I'd say that's the main thing. I, I really love what I do. So um, I'm generally not working, not looking to work less. I'm looking to have more time to spend with my wife. Mm. Yeah, pretty much her. Uh, and beautiful. then my, and my work. Yeah, actually. How'd you guys meet? Uh, we, we're not entirely sure. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds like maybe we had a bender, which we also did, but, um, I've known her longer than I can remember. We were friends 
before we were involved. So really? I from knew school. Or? Yeah, kind of. She went. To, I, I went to school in New York City, and she went to new, school in New York City also, but a different school. But we had mutual friends, and then we spent lots of time hanging out together. Um, and I don't really remember what the first time was. Um, really? Which almost sounds unromantic, right? To be like, I don't remember when I met her. Oh, do you remember when you made the first move? Oh, Who yeah. made the first move? Yeah, she did. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, she made the first big, like, came in for the kiss, you know? Okay. But, what was the situation? Paint the story. Uh, we, we had a bender. <laughs> 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 but we had already known each other for a long time. Okay. Uh, I think we had maybe two or three bottles of tequila, um, but it had been building, so this wasn't like a drunken mistake, and then we dealt with it. Felt now chemistry we're married. was kind yeah. of leading up to it. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, very, very much. We were going to uh, be involved at some point, right? Okay. Like it was building up to there, and then was one it night... in your mind already? Oh yeah, I definitely attracted that for sure. <laughs> um, and she, she'd probably say if I never made a move, uh, you know, no, if she didn't make the move, I never would have. But okay. I was working on it. I was slowly investing. In due time, yeah, babe, yeah, yeah. In due time. Um, but I'm glad she did. Um, and so, yeah, after a few drinks, a few bottles, I don't even know. It was a crazy night with some friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, kissed her on a bench on 2nd Avenue. I know exactly where, exactly the day and the time. I remember that part, you oh, know? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's our anniversary, you know? Yeah. How, oh. how about you? What makes you happy? Uh, well, first of all, that story made me happy. Ah, I, 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 I love hearing stories about people being genuinely happy, you yeah. know? Um, love is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the my girlfriend now, Yanni, I met her at a time in my life where I felt very um, not good about myself. I was going through a hard breakup with somebody, and I felt... Um, like, I wasn't good enough, and I felt like everything was my fault, mm, you know? Sure. And then I had a really powerful psychedelic experience where I did uh, uh, LSD for the first time, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I told myself, I love you. And uh, I've always loved myself, but this was like, you know, yeah, yeah, I was sure, talking to myself in yeah. third person, and I was like, hey, dude, I love you. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, you're doing a good job. I'm like, I am doing a good job. And I was like, full on just giving myself self-love and... Um, and realized that like I, was, I had been a people pleaser for most of my life, mm-hmm. and um, and I wasn't really living authentically. So then, um, then I got the courage to leave that relationship, and that's when I met Yanni, and um, and she's somebody who's uh, who's loved me almost like the inner kid in me, you know what I mean? Nice. And and it, and it made me reconnect to that again, and I feel like I'm in the ten years since I've been in LA, I can finally really be myself now, fully be myself, you know? Well, I think it was probably that moment where you loved yourself right yeah like, how's someone else gonna love you till you love yourself right? exactly yeah. and when i did like you I, I attracted it i attracted somebody um uh who really appreciates me nice. you know and, and i think that that led to to a lot of things you know and now i'm reconnecting with my roots of skating you know not skateboarding but rollerblading mm-hmm. but like doing all that stuff grinding on rails and all sure, that stuff sure. yeah, yeah. yeah you know and i think um Moving out in LA, you know, it's the big dream. You know, you come out here and you want to work with everybody and you have all these goals and ambitions. And I think sometimes we can get really far from where we came from, which is good from a progress standpoint. Mm-hmm. But then it, it's important to remember where we came from, right? Which is why I went to that rental center that where I first <laughs> got my camera and I revisited the old skate park and just it's like reconnecting with that joy. For sure. Right? Of what I was saying about it, happily achieving. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like. 
I don't know how long I'm going to live, you know? So it's like you know, Michael Jackson died during rehearsals for a show. Yeah. You know, and you can't be sitting there saying, oh, I'll be happy once we're done with the rehearsals. Once we do the show, then I'll be happy. It's like, dude, you might die before the show even comes out. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, so if we're not enjoying the rehearsal, then there's no point in enjoying the show. You can't just wait for that moment. You know, it's like, so if I'm in traffic, it's like, let me enjoy traffic. <laughs> let me call my mom. Exactly. While I'm in traffic or something, you know, yeah. find, find joy in the process. Mm. Um, Definitely. I love nature. Hmm. You know, yeah. I don't spend but, nearly as enough time in it as I as I would like to. But every time I am in nature, whether it's a hike or, you know, the beach or something, like I, there's great sick. nature around here. That's the yeah. other thing I've been loving about. You know, I grew up in the country, like I was saying in the Poconos, which is like the Appalachian Trail, that kind of thing. If okay. if you ever heard of that, in, like Upper State or New York? No, in Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania. Okay, yeah. Okay. So I grew up right outside of New York City. Okay. okay. Um, and so I miss that a lot of times. That's the part of me that, uh, like you're saying, getting back to your roots and who you were. That's why I, I discovered music. You know, I was stuck in a log cabin in the hills, <laughs> right? And so the only thing there was to do was play a piano, right? Yeah. Um, and so, after living 17 years in New York City, in this like urban jungle, just concrete everywhere. When the pandemic hit, uh, we started going upstate, you know, uh, upstate New York. Yeah, yeah. And that felt like Pennsylvania. And then when we moved to California here, like we live right by Runyon and we just oh, nice. try to go every day that we can because it feels good to be like, you know, that's a part of me that I think I lost by being in the rat race. Yes. You know, being outside and yes. being in the moment in nature, you know, and like immediately I'm not stressed. Yeah, something yeah. about it, right? It just yeah. feels right, you know. Um, I love Runyon. I love doing Runyon right when the sun is setting. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you can yeah. just make, if yeah. you go from the start at the bottom and when you get to that top peak right when you get that sun over LA. Oh, it's oh, great. Yeah. Oh, it's trippy to think that that's how a lot of settlers got here is mm. they would just hike across the country <laughs> and set up towns like yeah it's wild at some point you know like it's it's trippy man it's trippy just how how much has happened how much this country has built you know over the last couple hundred years obviously it's a lot of sad things had to happen sure. for the you know for the country to be built but still just what humanity has done like in this last hundred years so much has happened mm -hmm. you know with technology like i remember you know i'm 33 now i remember asking my dad what the internet was in the 90s you know like what is this thing yeah yeah you know like what is a website like even the idea of a cell phone i remember that being like so fancy like yeah oh, i remember oh. first getting one you know yeah. like a flip phone or no they weren't even flips they were just like nokia bricks yeah the little yeah. bricks and then yeah. the sidekick remember the sidekick yeah i didn't have one but i wanted one dude i yeah. felt so cool because i had one i used to love just like flipping it up in the air and catching it yeah, and yeah. Just sometimes just to act like didn't even have a call coming right? i just wanted to flip right? it and feel cool um isn't it incredible how we can listen to every song ever made. Yeah, I mean, everything you've ever wanted is available, you know? I mean, it's crazy. Sometimes uh, I think that um, we fall into this abyss of freedom, right? Which is not, it's, that's like a musical term of like when you don't know what to do because everything's available to you, Yes. right? And I'm finding that to be the case now with music being so accessible. It also, in some ways, you know, as a creator, uh, you, you kind of uh, have to deal with, does this mean that it's been devalued, right? Mm -hmm. It's because there's so much available. Like right. think about, you know, what you're doing with film, right? Mm -hmm. If there's so much 
like stock footage out there, right? Does it devalue what you're doing making custom footage? Right. I don't know. It's it's something that I've been coming to terms with as this all of this content is exploding and uh, the meaning or value of each individual piece of content may be becoming less, you know? That that's interesting for sure. It's almost like when you go to the cheesecake factory and the menu is so big, <laughs> you know? You're like what <laughs> None of so, it can be good, right? Yeah, right. It's all here. You yeah. have all of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like a double-edged sword because, you, you know, innovation is so good, you know, but then also a lot of things get innovated out, yeah. right? And, and it's like, yeah, like people used to charge a lot of money to make websites, but now you have Wix, right? right? So it's right. good for some people, but not good for those who are charging a lot to do, unless they're just doing major sites now. Yeah, yeah well, I, I find it really joyful that we can capture things um, that aren't happening here. Like, I know this sounds so rudimentary, but like, Back in the day, before you could rec- you had recording devices, mm-hmm. if somebody told a great joke somewhere, <laughs> that was it. Once it's done, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it never like it's there. A great conversation in the woods stayed in the woods. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And now we can listen to great conversations in the woods or jokes from twenty years ago. Although, alternatively, like what you were talking about, being stuck in traffic and being in the moment and present, is that maybe that is part of the beauty is that it isn't captured. Mm. You know, by sheer nature of it being fleeting is what is so beautiful about it. Uh, You know what I mean? Right? Like, if you go see a live performance of a, like, some of the best experiences in my life were like being at some old church in Europe or something and hearing a string quartet, right? And they probably weren't even that good compared to the best recording of the London Philharmonic I could pull up on Spotify right now. Right. But you can't capture it. And I, like that's that's the best part of life, right? Is Ooh. like you know what I mean? It's, yes. Yeah, your memories. Because will... because you can't capture it, so just being there makes it that much more valuable. Yeah, and yeah. unless like VR really becomes capable of, uh, you know, getting every piece of it, like the smell or how right. much you had to drink before you listened to that, or yeah, who yeah. you're with, or all of those emotions that you had at that moment. I don't really think that we'll be able to truly like capture a moment. It would be crazy though if in the future they could capture the entire chemical balance of your body at that moment. Yeah, well, I imagine that's coming, right? I mean, if they took a snapshot of your hormones and your chem- brain chemistry at yes. a moment and then incite that, yeah. But then, what's the point of being um, truly alive, right? You know. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Are you are you uh, optimistic about the future? Yeah, very, very. Why? Um, because I think even in the, well, first of all, I'm just optimistic. Like I'm a positive person. So I was like trying to look for a reason to, uh, you know, justify, uh, why I'm optimistic. I don't know. I kind of just am. Um, also, I mean, think about it, right? Like we were just talking about, I almost died. We're in the middle of, uh, maybe we're not in the middle anymore, but this terrible thing happened in the history of the world. And you and I are sitting here with microphones and recording devices and cameras and talking about our life experience. That's like uh, pretty amazing that we've made it through. And so with that kind of thing, you know, I'm grateful for it and maybe we're just lucky, um, but it, it makes you think that like great things are possible and we yes. have a lot to be grateful for. I don't know. Also, you could not be optimistic and then life's shitty right at the moment that you're feeling that way. Or you could be optimistic and then life's only shitty when it doesn't work out. You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah, I, I, I'd rather be um, be optimistic and be wrong yeah. than be pessimistic and be right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. 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 Much yeah. more succinct way of putting it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's because uh, I think we spend more time in anticipation mm -hmm. than actually like you know we spend more time thinking about Christmas than Christmas itself. Christmas is one day. Your New yeah. Year's, your birthday is one day. Sure, sure. You know, but we might spend months looking forward to it, right? So if we're dreading something. They were spending months in a negative state. Exactly. Dreading it. And yeah. then but the thing only happens once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's if we're prolonging it. Um, how do you keep your mind right? What do you do? Do you meditate? Do you Yeah, I do a lot of journaling. Okay. That's I'm like a morning journaler. So I like to get up early and before I check emails or my phone or whatever, have a cup of coffee and I'll journal, which what I'm saying is I'm meditating, but I'm I'm doing it written. Yeah. Um, it keeps me focused on on that, um, and then I'll exercise, then I'll shower, and then I'll start my day. Uh, How long have you been doing that disciplined? Uh, eight nine years. I mean, it kind of coincided with uh, a lot of good stuff. <laughs> so I, you know, it was actually when I got into that morning routine. I mean, it's something you hear everybody talk about, mm -hmm. and you're like, "Is that really going to work?" <laughs> um, it did for me. You know, I used to. Um, you know, similar to what you were talking about earlier, not being happy with your life to some degree. Yeah. Um, I think I was probably not being uh, as fully true to myself because I was giving into certain parts of myself that I shouldn't have been. I was less disciplined. Um, I was high achieving in some sense. I was working in music and everything, but I was doing the things like that musicians do. I was drinking a lot, you yeah. know, I was smoking. Yeah, I yeah. was staying up till 4 a.m. working on beats because I thought that's what you needed to do because that's what everybody else was doing. But then when I started waking up early in the morning and journaling and then writing music as opposed to like getting drunk and making music, uh, it kind of fell into place. And that's kind of the uh, routine I've adopted ever since. Yeah, I mean, it's actually closer to a decade at this point, yeah. When did you make that shift and why? Um, I had a lot of anxiety when I was younger. Uh, when, when I'm saying younger, I'm like in my 20s. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I made that shift just because um, I got my shit together, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Was, I mean, was there a moment where you were just like, fuck, and you start waking up early and journaling? Like, like what caused you to do that? Did you see it on like a... A motivational video? Yeah, maybe, maybe, like, yeah. I can't remember uh, an exact, th probably because I was fucking up and staying up yeah. late and getting drunk. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't a total uh, mess. Let's put it that way. Like, I was still getting my work done, and I showed up, and I ran a recording studio and everything, but I knew I could do better. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a lot of anxiety. I would have panic attacks and things like that, and it was clearly related to burning at both ends. And then when you throw uh, alcohol in the mix there and everything. I mean, I still drink uh, like I have beer every day uh, sure, sure. or a glass of wine or something, but I don't drink, drink. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know there's what I mean? Difference. There's yes. a difference. Like I was, I was relying on that to, um, you know, it wasn't alcoholism, meaning I needed to stop drinking. It was just that I needed to focus on work as opposed to focus on uh, drinking. Do you think there's a myth that about creating at night versus in the morning? Because I, I feel like I, I used to subscribe yeah. to that, the, the team no sleep. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Which sometimes... You have to. You sometimes. have to yeah. if it's everybody's in the room and we're making it happen and we're really getting results. But, uh, you know, I would get into this feeling sometimes where I... I, I um, I would purposely burn at both ends because I felt like I, I had to. That, that was the thing. Oh, you have to be up till four in the morning doing yep. this thing and da da da. Yeah, and, yeah. 
and, and and I would almost feel like I was cheating on work if I was like having a good time or like actually resting or something. And yeah, yeah. I actually I think that was the crux of it. In fact, most of my behavior was from the myth. So it wasn't like I'm saying you know I was an alcoholic or I didn't show up to work. It was that you're a music producer, you need to party, right? Right. And that and I think you're right that that's not true. And in fact that is missing the beauty of having a job like this, which is that uh, you're making something beautiful, like treat yourself well, and yeah. you'll make more good beauty as opposed to you know getting all screwed up and uh, staying up late and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I do much better work when um, I'm healthy. <laughs> I mean, that sounds... <laughs> what a thought. <laughs> I know, right? It sounds so self-evident after you say it um, out loud, but... Most creators are not ascribing to that. They're looking for inspiration somewhere else. And I think that that's just um, maybe an underlying insecurity, right? Which we all have. Like you said, when you're younger and you see other people succeeding and you want that, but you're not doing it. And yeah. then, you know, you're depressed about that. And then so you're acting out by looking for uh, your kicks in, in doing drugs or drinking or right. staying up late or, or doing whatever instead of actually just you know, treating it like a job and, and treating yourself right, you know? Yeah. Do you have an, an exact time you wake up every day? No, I used to. So for a while, right when I started doing this whole journaling thing, I was like, team 5 a.m., right? Get up, do it. And I achieved a lot doing that, but I realized that it wasn't quite in line with my circadian rhythm. And so if you're tired, just because somebody told you to get up at 5 o'clock, that's not a great way, reason to do it. For me, it's more important that I just get a certain number of hours of sleep and because of the nature of my job, like you were saying, sometimes you do have to be team no sleep and you're up until three because somebody uh, gave you a job and they had revisions and you got to do it. And you right. can't be like, no, I'm a, a, a Buddhist monk and I have to get up. No, it's like, no, I'm a film composer. I got to do this. Right. And yeah. then so you just make sure you get up as early as you possibly can with like that's my motto is uh, to get enough sleep to do the work that you have to do the next day. Um, but not so much sleep that uh, it's about the sleep. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And um, so you say you wake up and you journal first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before checking email and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to keep. You got. I mean, protect your subconscious is is the main reason I'm doing that. Uh, I don't want somebody to hijack my day, right? And it's so easy, especially in our our industry where people like. Basically, with what I do, I have to love the music I write but not love it so much that I'm upset when somebody wants to change it, right? <laughs> but if they tell me that stuff right when I wake up, you're very liable to actually take it personally, yeah, right? Because it's your art and you love it and everything. But if you just get in a good headspace and you meditate and you, you I, I'm more of a gratitude meditation kind of guy where I'm yes. just like thinking about what I'm happy about and stuff. Yes. And like, um, once I do that, if somebody's like, yeah, dude, this piece of music stinks. Do another one. I'll be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. But if I if I miss that meditation, sometimes I'm a little bit grumpier. Um, and so That's so key. Yeah. That's so important because it puts us in a state. I think gratitude is the most powerful state to be in. Oh, yeah. It's a state of abundance. Yeah. You know, I think it's a very attractive state to be in. You know, when you're in a meeting or when you're on a date or whatever, you know, it, it's because uh, it's a it's a feeling of needing nothing. You know, and, and I, I know when I have my anxiety or my panic attacks, I do that. There's this, like, guided meditation I listen to on YouTube from um, Tony Robbins. And, and, yeah, it's just, like, holding your heart and literally just thinking about all the beautiful things that happened. Like, something that happened this week, something that happened last year. And just flooding ourselves with the feeling of, 
of good memories, you know, and, and things that we're grateful for. <clears throat> and then it's like, you know, sending that energy out to people that I love, like I imagine, you know, sending it to her and to you and then people that I just met, people I don't even know. And it's like this whole, like, 15-minute exercise, and by the end of it, I'm glowing. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know? It, it's, um, I don't always remember to do it, but when I do it, it's fantastic, you know. Um, I think being in charge of our mental state, it's such a big part of the job. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think a lot of times we think it's just a technical know-how, which is important. I mean, you got to know what buttons to press. <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. sure. But if we're not in the right mindset, it doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't yeah. Matter. We'll, 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 we'll fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think people are hiring you as a person, you know, so you're actually the job. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. taking care of yourself, <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> one. I mean, I would do if, you know, I would do that meditation every day. Yeah. You know, the, the Tony Robbins holding your heart one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um. Wow, my dog is really trying to get you hear him in the background. He is. He's like, grateful for it. Yeah, for life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, let me in here. <laughs> if you guys hear that in the background, that's that's my dog in the patio scratching to to get into the room. <laughs> He's a lover. Do you have any animals? Any pets? I do. I have a cat. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. I gave a little. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a cat. Um, is it your cat or your wife's cat? If you know what I mean. Uh, yes, it's my wife's cat, but it's uh, we've. <laughs> Yes, it came. It came with my wife. Okay. Um, but yeah, she's also my cat now. Um, yeah, she's great. I mean, you know how pets—they—they they put you in that state of gratitude. Like you're just grateful that something is alive. Like you want nothing bad to ever happen to them, kind of thing. You know. Oh, um, so you have a good relationship with this cat. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's gotten better over the years. I mean, it was a, <laughs> it was a, a scared uh, a scaredy cat. Uh, the cat was a little afraid of me. It was a rescue cat. Okay. Um, so I think she probably had a bad experience with uh, a male. Yeah. And so she was very. Also, I kind of crashed the party. You know, she lived with my wife before I did, um, and then Got I it. showed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're we're all a big happy family now. That's good. Yeah, Do you have yeah. kids? No, no kids. Do you want to? No, I don't think so. Actually. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, a few reasons. Uh, it's not really. Um, you know. A, professionally, like I said, the two things that bring me joy are my wife and my job. Uh, and with this kind of job, sometimes you do have to make that decision as to, uh, you know, how many ways you want to get pulled in. And I kind of think if you have a child, that's your life, right? That And it should be. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not judging that. I'm yeah, actually yeah, saying, yeah. like, that's if I had a kid, that would be my full life. So um, I'm not really sure it would gel exactly with that. We have some trepidations also about like the state of the world. You know, speaking as an optimist, uh, I'm not saying the world's going to go to shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm saying that there are concerns as far as like, you know, with global warming and the pandemic, is this really the proper environment uh, to do those things? Those are percolating thoughts. Um, but we've just never really want. We don't have the strong urge for children. Um, yeah. So and you don't need and you don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, <clears throat> part of me as an optimist and a, a gratitude uh, lover uh, sees the rationale, right? And it's a conversation that I, I don't know your stance. I'll get there next, but uh, <clears throat> or we don't have to. But uh, mm. you know, it's something that family members bring up all the time, yeah. right? Especially at our age, it's like, when are you going to give me a grandchild? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. You know, actually, exactly. Yes, uh, <laughs> and I totally understand it. And I, I'm like, I'm big on family. Like sure. I came up in a big family and family is super important. So it's actually kind of odd that I didn't have that, um, 
you know, compulsion to have children, but my wife didn't either. Um, and, um, uh, that's okay. Yeah. And that is okay. Yeah. 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 Cause, because if you have a kid and you don't want a kid, <laughs> then, then <laughs> no, that'd, that'd be very bad. Yeah. That'd be very bad. I think of anything, we would be the kind of people who would adopt, uh, maybe an older child. Mm. Um, because we have a lot of love to give and, uh, you yes. know, means and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think a lot of times having a child uh, could come from a, a part of a person that is a part we don't necessarily have, but we'd still want to make a difference in the world. And, sure. you know, everybody wants to adopt a baby. But what about all the kids who are, you know, yeah. six or seven and have had some problems? Um, and the reason most people don't want to do that is because of the problems it might cause for yourself. But I think those would be the challenges that would excite me most. Yeah, wow. I actually, yeah. I actually align with that line of thinking oh, a lot. Cool. Yeah. 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 That's, that's Do you have kids? No, I have a dog. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that counts. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, we call him Brasilito. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he's the first pet I ever had. I never even had a cat or a goldfish or anything. Oh, wow. And, um, How old's your dog? He's six. Mm. Yeah, no, he's a, he's very, we're very attached. That's why he's, uh, <laughs> that's why he's scratching crying. so Come hard on, right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, oh, I love him. You know, it's, it, it's, I like how present he is, you know, and always excited mm -hmm. yeah. that you're here. That's the beauty of dogs, right? They just love you unconditionally. And we can learn so much from them. Yeah. They're always stretching. You know what I mean? They always <laughs> yep. want to be on the move. Yep. They, they, they stay, they stay, uh, stay hungry. They're great sellers. Like he, he'll sell you that he's hungry. Like, oh yeah. Like even if I, if I just fed him, he'll go to my girlfriend and pretend like he hasn't eaten in weeks. You know, his ears will tuck back and yeah. he'll present himself like shamelessly. Yeah. Shamelessly. And why not? Why not? You know, I mean, he wants to eat again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many of us don't even go for what we want. Yeah. Like we're like the hungry dog that doesn't even ask for it. Exactly. It's like, why not? Yeah. Exactly. You know. Um. In closing, uh. What are some things that you're grateful for? Mm -hmm. We'll start there. We have a, I have a couple closing questions. We'll start there. What are sure. things that you're grateful for? Well, number one, kind of the topic of uh, the last few questions, my wife, right? Mm -hmm. That's the big one. Uh, the rest of my family, too, my parents. All that's, yeah, family. I'd say that the, in order of, uh, well, maybe not in order. I guess I'm not sure I can put these in, in, in order. No particular order. No particular order. Uh, family, wife, health, clients, uh, yeah, I'm really, really grateful that the people I work for let me do what I'm doing. You know, like mm. to your earlier point, that first time when you made money doing what you yeah. love, uh, I'm I get that feeling every time I get a job. Mm. It's like I sh I just never want to lose that um, like you know sense of magic that somebody's willing to pay me to make music. Because yeah. sometimes I, I find myself disliking a project I'm working on until I remember what are you thinking. How could you be upset that even if this isn't the exact job you wanted to do, somebody's paying you to make music, right? Yeah. So hyper grateful for my business partners and, and uh, my clients, family, loved ones, and health. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful, man. It's, it is something to be grateful for. Yeah. You know, that people trust you to solve their problems. And, yeah, yeah. And, and pay you to be happy doing it. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Um, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, kind. I'd say as being kind, you know, that's the number one uh, way. I think I always thought I'd want to be remembered for like my music, which would be awesome. <laughs> uh, but I think being kind would be, be the big one. You know, uh, everybody I think I've ever loved, I loved because they were kind. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Kindness is very important. Yeah. I think a lot of people think, uh, you know, being like standoffish is cool. 
But I think the coolest thing you can do is be kind. Yeah, definitely. You know, not be a put. There's a difference between being kind and being a pushover. For sure. And sometimes there's a crossover there as we're coming up. But um, how, like it takes a sense of bravery and vulnerability to be kind. Very much so. Yeah. And sometimes I actually even think being a pushover has been good. Yeah. You know, you get pushed over and then you just don't deal with that individual again kind of thing. You know, yeah. uh, it's been a, a good um, approach in my own life, I think. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to always be confrontational. Yeah. No. Just let it go, man. Let's do short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, for any uh, aspiring musicians out there or aspiring creators of any kind out there that, that are currently at the hobby phase of their creation, but they want to turn it into a career. What's just some general advice you can give them? Oh well, one be super kind. I think that has gotten me most of the jobs that I've gotten. Because like I was saying to you earlier, people don't hire me for how good I am at anything really, except that how um, much they appreciate the way I'm interacting with them. Mm. Right? I mean, that that's not a hard and fast rule. Like you have to be good at what you do. But there's a million other people who are just as good as what you do. Um, and so the next part of the gig is just being really good with people. Uh, and if you don't like other people, you're going to spend a lot of time by yourself not working for others. Yeah. Um, and then specific to music, it, well, it's not even specific to music. It's probably in any industry. Um, but in music, since there are not traditional routes to becoming a, a full-time professional, um, you need to do anything related to music um, in order to find your way back to the one thing you really want to do. Like, I've done so many, uh, like, parody song recordings or, you know, uh, yeah. you know, drum tracking for songs that never did anything. But the whole point was I got made a living doing music. Uh, and by putting myself in those situations, I was pulling more situations that were musical and appropriate to right. me. Right. So yeah. not be too choosy. Like, well, I'm not working on the exact song I want to work on. It was like, fuck that. You're doing music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do have to then set, look at what you're doing and choose to spend time on the thing that you want to do. Sure. But a lot of people don't want to uh, do anything. But they're, let me put it this way. I've made a living making music for other people. Right. And it's the other people part of it that makes it a profession. There's very few people who can make a living in this world doing stuff just for themselves. Right. And it's possible. I mean, there are musicians, but then again, you know, like solo artists, right? Sure. But then again, they're making music for their fans and they're acutely aware of who they're making it for. Right. Uh, for me, I didn't make music for myself. I made it for filmmakers or other artists. And um, I think by being aware that, that what you're doing is collaborative, you will find ways to make money in whatever industry you're in, uh, in my case specifically music. I love that. Fantastic, Thanks. dude. <laughs> Thanks. I really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, man. me too. This yeah, fun. this is super cool. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much for coming, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Look, they can never keep me down, I'm going And if I ever fail, just know I'll go again I never quit, cause I know that every loss May lead to another win, I'm going no Who the best in this thing? Tell them, yeah, that's me Tell them, who bring the vibes?